Hello, church family. What a surreal last two weeks it has been. Uh, I was thinking about it just uh, this morning, actually, that two Sundays ago, more than 60 of us met at the church, and we were talking about ways that we could keep safe while we continued to gather for worship on Sundays and how things have changed. And now we get mixed bag of stories of how numbers are growing in the U.S. and numbers are flattening in B.C. And um, earlier this week, I was drawn to the beginning of Elijah's ministry in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. And I was drawn there because a few weeks ago, um, Jesus mentioned the beginning of Elijah's ministry when Jesus went to the widow in Zarephath and talking with his own people. And I was kind of drawn to it. And so I wanted to explore that passage some more. And I think God has some good stuff for us here um, as we jump into that text. You know, as I began studying it, I saw some points of connections. I mean, first, uh, Elijah went to visit uh, this widow during three years of drought uh, that had turned into a national crisis for the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, people were trying to figure out how to survive while life pretty much ground to a halt without any water um, because of the drought. Not only would you not have water, but pretty soon you wouldn't have any crops and without crops, you wouldn't have any food. And so it was a national crisis. And I was wondering what we can we learn from that story, uh, especially for us, for our story right now. Maybe some of you are wondering, how might God be at work in all this? Some are wondering, how do I make sense of the situation I find myself in? Still, others are wondering, what can I do while I spend my days isolated at home? This is why I love the Word of God. It is still relevant in our lives, especially in times like this, that we can still read God's Word, reflect on it together, and grow in our faith. So I want to encourage you right now to open your Bibles to 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, verse 1, and let's see what God has for us. Before I get into this passage, I need to give you a little bit of background. Elijah began his ministry during a dark time uh, for God's people. It was about 100 years after the great King David had died and about 800 years before Jesus. Since then, the 12 tribes that made up Israel had split into two, with 10 going to the, north, uh, to the northern tribes, leaving Yahweh to follow the other gods of the people around them. Not only that, but the northern tribes had, had just had eight kings in the last 60 years. Each one was worse than the one before. This story takes place during the reign of Ahab, the worst king so far. Ahab had married a woman named Jezebel, a cunning bride who came from the city of Tyre, a neighboring city known for its wickedness and its idolatry. Jezebel was a devoted follower of Baal, the lord of storms and weather. As an agricultural society, he was their main god. So when Yahweh tells Elijah to declare a drought that would last for years, he is striking right at the heart of the idolatry of the people. So let's get ready and let's read this passage. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is our first introduction to Elijah. Tishba is, uh, is in Gilead, east of the Jordan River. It's midway between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. It's a remote area away from the northern capital of Samaria. Uh, Elijah is technically a nobody, uh, from a nowhere town on the wrong side of the tracks. Uh, he's coming as an outsider to challenge the king uh, of his day. And so Elijah obeys and tells Ahab that there will be no rain, not even dew for years. As I mentioned before, not only is a drought bad, but it strikes right at the heart of the idolatry of the northern kingdom. They had left Yahweh to worship Baal the rain god, but it's the Lord God who actually controls the weather, 
not by all. I want to make a point here. I don't have any sense that our current situation is a judgment from God because it's affecting people all around the world, regardless of religion or ethnicity. So I don't think this virus is a direct judgment from God. Rather, I think it is more yet one more example of a creation that God created good that no longer works the way that it's supposed to. A virus like this is not something that God unleashed, but rather a result of a broken and fallen creation that no longer works the way God intended. The other thing I realize is that, like this story, I began wondering how this virus challenges my idols, how it challenges my idol of self-reliance, how the ways that I take life for granted, my assumptions that I'll be able to just buy what I need to eat or provide for myself. I'm realizing in these last few days, these last few weeks, how much more I need God, how much I rely on Him. There are a lot of things outside of my control and I am looking to God to provide for me. Not only that, but this time is challenging my idols of self-importance and busyness and shallowness. Not only can I not just go where I want, when I want to, but a lot of the distractions that I used to fill up my life with are just stripped away. All the meetings, all the things for my boys, all the activities, everything is just on pause. And I'm forced to sit here with my life and with God, uh, looking for ways to encourage you, uh, my church family. But it's giving me lots of time to just be still and be with God, to not fill life with a bunch of busyness. All of this has brought me closer to God, and the more I rely on Him. I'm also curious how this is our current situation is maybe challenging the idols that you have. I invite you to take a minute, just feel free to hit pause and think about that question. How is this situation challenging your idols? So I'm also thinking too, you know, how how do we hear this story? And so let me keep going here. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You'll drink from a brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Wait, what? Elijah has faithfully risked his life to comfort Ahab, and God sends him back out to the desert, to a ravine to hide? Now it's true, he's hiding by a stream with water, but it it wasn't lost on me that God doesn't send Elijah back to his house, or even to his hometown, um, but to hide out, barely getting by day by day in a remote ravine. Not only that, but God has ordered the ravens to feed him, which sounds sort of weird to us, but I didn't really realize it, but that ravens are actually unclean animals in Judaism. And I didn't realize that until I was reading a commentary this week. So Elijah's situation just went from bad to worse. Not only only is he out there isolated and on the run for being faithful to God, but now he's made unclean by the very way God is keeping him alive. This twist in the story reminds me of just how untamed God is. He is good, but he's not tame. So often I think we feel like we can put God in a box. We can use our descriptors like powerful and all-knowing and good, and we feel like we can use them as parameters to hold God in or to, to shape the way God should act. I think it's foolish of us to try and um, second-guess God. If he's all-powerful, then he should just put Elijah up in a palace, right? Or feed him with servants. But I was reminded this week that God doesn't work the way we think he ought to. God is God, and his ways are not our ways. 
God didn't save humanity with a snap of his fingers or some magic trick. He sent his son to enter into life and die a brutal death for us on the cross. For reasons beyond our understanding, God does the unexpected. Whether it's feeding a faithful prophet one beakful at a time with unclean ravens, or sending his son to save us from sin through his death on the cross, Yahweh will not be bound by what we as humans think he should do. This realization, too, has implications for us right now. Who hasn't thought to themselves, if, if I were God, I'd be handling this virus differently. But see, that's the point. We're not God. We never could be. Second-guessing the Lord of all creation is not our role. Our role is faithfully following God and continuing to cultivate His kingdom in our community the best we can in light of the situation. I invite you again to, to hit pause and take a moment just to consider these two questions. One, how has God surprised you in this whole COVID-19 crisis? What things surprise you? I also invite you to think about this question. How will you continue to trust him, even though he may not be handling this crisis the way you think he should? All right, let's keep moving. Let's take a look at these last two verses, verses five and six. So Elijah did what the Lord told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. We don't get a lot of info of what it was like for Elijah and Kareth. We can be pretty sure that he was alone, that he too was social distancing. For him, it was even more a matter of life and death. Elijah too was forced to slow down and to isolate. And other than raven served breakfast and raven served dinner, he had the whole day to just hang out in that ravine. I wonder what he did during the day. Now, I can't prove this, but I'd like to think that Elijah spent his day growing closer to God, not only because he wanted to, because he was drawn to God, but maybe even because he knew that he'd be called on for more. And if any of us have read ahead, you already know that his isolation in the desert is just the beginning. It's going to get worse for Elijah before it gets better. And God has more in ministry for him to do. It makes me wonder about how we best spend our time in isolation right now. I have a suggestion for us. Continue to grow in our faith. Now, I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to say that, but think about it. Whether they realize it or not, our society needs the church now more than ever. And we need to be ready. There are people in our community who have nothing to do but sit around and worry about their lives or their livelihood. There are people in our community who have lost their job and lay awake at night wondering how they will be able to pay their bills. There are people in our community who will likely get sick, really sick. Some may even die and they will turn to the church for answers and for help. Not only that, but this, uh, this crisis could continue to come in waves. People experience losses now with no way to grieve them or people catching the virus and then it then declining, and then the virus picking up again as people begin to become less vigilant. All these things piling up as we wait to deal with them uh, before um, we're even actually able to. I mean, already I know of people who have died and funerals are put on hold, having to wait for who knows how long before they're able to have a funeral and to go through the grieving process and to finalize it. Our community needs the church. So we, the church, need to be ready. Pastor Jeff and I just posted a podcast this week on how to grow closer to Jesus in time of social distancing. 
That podcast is available on our Facebook page or I sent it out an email. If you'd like to get it or if you can't find it, uh, just contact me. I'd love to connect you with it. Um, in it, we discuss numerous ways, to, numerous ways to grow closer to Jesus right now while we're isolated at home. But here's just one way. Take time to read God's word each day and to pray. Take time in the morning, uh, maybe get a cup of coffee and sit at your table and read a portion of scripture or work through a, um, a daily devotion like Our Daily Bread, doing something to stay close to God. And then take time to pray. Pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, pray in the evening. Set times aside to stay connected with Jesus. We need to keep our faith strong through this time. Better yet, we need to spend extra time getting closer to Jesus because our community is going to need us in the coming weeks, even in the coming months. And how will we help them grow in their faith if we haven't been growing in ours? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be working through this first bit of Elijah's ministry. I invite you to read 1 Kings chapter 17. Read it a few times this next week. Begin reflecting on how God is speaking to us in our situation right now. But I want to leave you with these last few thoughts. God has slowed all of us down. Whole swaths of our lives have been put on hold. The distractions are gone. Are, are gone. The self-importance has been leveled. Take this time, these long days, to grow closer to Jesus. Not only will you benefit from it, but so will our neighbors and our community when we show up to help them. Bless you this week. Continue to study God's word. Continue to pray together. Please continue to call each other and encourage one another. I continue to pray for you, church. I pray that you will grow in your faith and that when our community comes and needs us, that we will be ready, ready to bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen.